Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 113 of the show and we want to say thank you as always to our listener supporters. Your $5 a month makes a big difference in keeping Sorta Awesome going. And if our show with all of our recommendations and our community have added to your life, we would love for you to consider joining our listener supporters by going to SortaAwesomeShow.com support. In fact, our supporters just got access to a brand new exclusive episode. That one's called Our Mental Health Crisis. And in it, you'll hear Laura and Kelly talk about a fairly common but extremely damaging cause of mental health issues. It's an excellent episode and it's available only for our listener supporters. And this is an exciting new feature for our supporters. We have created a private Facebook group to discuss those exclusive episodes and also just to see and hear more of this sort of awesome behind the scenes moments and discussions. So again, all of that information that you would need to know about joining our listener supporters is over at sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. Okay, so yes, here we are, episode 113 of the show, and I'm joined by my dear friend, everyone's favorite Hollywood housewife and the host of the Smartest Person in the Room podcast, Laura Tremaine. And we are here today to confess that we really have no idea... <laughs> what we're doing <laughs> like none like zero <laughs> we're wondering if maybe some of you guys could relate to that so Laura and I are both moms we're wives we obviously work together to bring you sort of awesome every week and now smartest person in the room is back in production which we are so excited about but we are really just a little bit in the weeds as we try to figure out what this work at home gig is going to look like for both of us so Laura are you ready to serve up some real talk today. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about everything I was going to say on this episode, and I just keep coming back to, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, right. It might be a short episode. It might just be you and I staring at each other going, what are we even doing? <laughs> well, that would not be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So we are going to get into some real talk. We're really going to explore the fact that we are struggling 
with trying to figure out what this is going to look like. And we know that there's lots of you all who are listening who may be in a similar situation. Maybe you're not doing a work at home kind of thing. Maybe you work full time in an office somewhere. Maybe you're at home full time with kids. I mean, we know that our awesomes are all over the spectrum in terms of work, but I think that you all will maybe be able to relate to some of our struggles and hey, maybe you've got some wisdom and insight to share with us to get us on the right track. But Laura, first let's go ahead and start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week, the moment in the show when we each get to share with you all, all about the books, the TV shows, podcast music, all of the things that are making our lives a little bit more awesome this week. So Laura, I can't wait to hear what you have. Well, my awesome of the week this week is a bra. Ooh, a bra. I am incapable of being on this show and not talking about my most intimate details. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear about this bra. Okay, so I am particular about bras. I'm sure most people are, but I really value comfort. Yeah. I do not like a look that is like... <laughs> oh, gosh. Up Here and at them. Yeah, I know. Right, right, right. I'm a little bit more of like, I, it's not modesty, but like, I just, I don't like like the lift and cleavage exposure. (laughs) I really just like more of a, Mm -hmm. yes, of a flatter look. (laughs) Right. If you guys are having deja vu right now, it's because. (laughs) We're circling back to Uniboob again, a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) with Laura's lingerie preferences here. I wish you, again, as always, I wish you all could see the hand motions that Laura's (laughs) employing to demonstrate. (laughs) Wow, I didn't even mean to like flash back to that. It's just the setup for what I like in a bra is comfort and not like a look at me factor. How about Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, I don't want a big utilitarian sports bra either. I don't find those super comfortable and I don't need an enormous amount of support like some women do. I am not flat chested, but I am very medium, mm-hmm. <laughs> a very mm-hmm. size medium in the chest department. So I tried recently two of the really popular online bra companies. Have you seen these where you like take all your exact measurements and they send you these bras in the mail? Yes. I've tried these. They did not work for me. I mean, they were fine. They weren't a disaster. I think I got one maybe from each company that was okay. But I mm-hmm. wasn't as overwhelmed with the amazingness of that just for my body. Also, my chest size fluctuates a bit with mm, sure. hormones or maybe time of year or whatever. So like those companies who are going after this exact perfect fit, I'm not sure that's ever going to be true for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? And I've been a long time Victoria's Secret girl just because it's so available and they're always cute and they're decently priced and whatever. But I've never been in love with that either. So what I found also at the mall recently was Gap Body. You know, I've walked past Gap Body probably, you know, a hundred times and I've never gone in and checked out what they have. I'm just surprised by it. This is why it's so notable for Awesome of the Week for me is because I have tried Gap Body maybe, I mean, a long time ago, maybe when they first debuted 10 years ago or something. I remember going into the store, but the material felt kind of flimsy. You know, it was almost aimed more at like very young people, teenagers. Or yeah, right. do you know what I mean? Like it was not yes. like a grown-up bra. So I haven't really looked there 
much since. I mean, you know, it just hasn't been a thing. And I care a lot about quality and mass-produced big box stores, of which I shop occasionally, but they're not my favorite for myself at all. So anyway, I wandered in there because I was looking for some Pilates clothes, and they do have like the Gap Fit stuff, and I was thinking, well, I don't want to spend a ton of money and whatever. So I walked into Gap Fit. All of that to say, they were having a big bra sale at the time. That's a good thing about The Gap is they're constantly having like 40% off and like really good coupons and whatever. So I ended up trying on a few bras just out of curiosity because they were so soft. They're like a microfiber material. And I bought two different styles. They're both called the live-in bra. And I swear to you, that's all I've done. I've lived in these bras. (laughs) Perfect. It was truth and advertising. From it the really gap. was. The one is just called the Live In Bra. That's its main name. It's $44. It has kind of a wide band underneath the breast area, which I like. I just like that. But it is, there's no wires. It is sort of lined a little bit of a, like, not thick, thick material, but you know, bra thick. It's not super thin. So your coverage is clear. I got it in black and in nude. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one that I think I like even better. It is even less supportive, but it's very comfortable. It's called the Live-In Crossback Bra. So same material. It just has a crossback. So it's a little more, it's not a full-on sports bra because there's that much support, but it's sportier than a traditional bra. So I have actually been wearing it to Pilates because it's good enough for me. And they're just so comfortable. They're very soft. I have not washed them yet because I don't wash my bras very often unless I really get sweaty. And then Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. hand wash or wash in cold. So I guess I'll have to see how they hold up because, again, a company like The Gap, I'm not sure quality level. Like, this will not be a bra that will last me five years probably. Right. But they're very soft. I hope I get a few years out of them. Great, great price point. It really is. Awesome of the week. (laughs) Definitely. Well, I'm like you. I always just kind of assumed it was for younger people. I always felt like I was a little too old to even poke my head in there. So I'm super intrigued by this. And I will be very curious to hear how it holds up over time for you. I mean, the bra question. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we're all, most of us are always on the search for the next best bra in our life. So... I know. That's why I think we can fall prey to marketing Mm -hmm. in the bra situation. And it is such an individual decision. (laughs) It truly is. Whether you're uniboob or you're more up and out. (laughs) At attention. Attention. It's so individual. It really is. So maybe that'll be helpful for some people. The live-in bra from The Gap. All right, my Awesome of the Week this week is a Spotify playlist. And, you know, Laura, recently on Sorta Awesome in our Sorry Not Sorry group show, we sort of discovered and put a name to the fact that I have hillbilly ears. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why you were surprised by that. (laughs) I wasn't surprised by that. (laughs) I wasn't so much surprised. I was like, oh, oh, yes, I do have hillbilly ears. Now it all makes sense. And so, you know, I could totally be embarrassed by that, but I have decided I'm just going to lean into it and embrace it. I am fairly well hillbilly in lots of ways and lots of areas of my life, including my music 
taste. So my awesome of the week is a Spotify playlist. It's called Blue Grass Covers. Ooh. And it's exactly what you would think. It is 150 songs of covers of pop songs arranged for and remade in bluegrass style. So if you're not 100% familiar with what I mean by when I say bluegrass is a form of what's called American roots music. It's heavily influenced by the music of Appalachia. And you will almost always be able to hear or pick out bluegrass as a musical genre because it's traditionally played on acoustic stringed instruments. So for example, you're going to hear fiddle, banjo, guitar, mandolin, the upright bass, all of those playing acoustically. And so that's bluegrass style. We found this Spotify playlist because Kyle also enjoys bluegrass and it it has been so fun. So there's, like I said, there's 150 songs on it. It's a lot of bluegrass music, but you're going to hear covers of songs like The Cure's Tainted Love in bluegrass. Oh, I love The Cure. You already have me. I love bluegrass and The Cure. I'm there. Exactly. Counting Crows, Mr. Jones is covered on there. Green Day song, When I Come Around. I mean, there's like 80s pop music, 90s pop music. They even do like bluegrass covers and remakes of more like traditional or conventional country songs like Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. So it's just so much fun. It's not something that you would probably want to just listen to for (laughs) hours and hours. But to pop on every now and again, I think it'd be really fun to have playing in the background of, you know, some kind of like if you had friends over for a barbecue or something like that would be fun to have going on in the background. So again, it's called Bluegrass Covers. Now, bluegrass as a style of music is all one word, but this particular playlist, it's two separate words, blue, grass, and then covers. And I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. And our show, Sorta Awesome, is available on Spotify now. It is. It is. Thank you for reminding me of that, Laura. We are now available as one of the podcasts that you can find in Spotify. So if you are a big Spotify fan like we are here at Sorta Awesome, just search for Sorta Awesome in the Spotify search bar. You'll be able to find us there. You can subscribe to the show there. And we'd love to have you listen to us over there. So yeah, very exciting stuff. So yeah, every Friday in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group on Facebook, we clear off a space for all of you awesomes to share your awesome of the week with us. So don't forget that you can find us on Facebook over there by searching Sorta Awesome Hangout. Awesomes, one of my very favorite things about the fall is getting back in the kitchen to fix up some of my family's favorite comfort foods. But with our busy schedule, honestly, that just feels like a daydream sometimes. In fact, some weeks I feel like I can barely make it to the grocery store. And that's why I'm loving the meal kit delivery from Sunbasket. With Sunbasket, I can have dinner ready for my family in less than 30 minutes, and I love the meals that my kids can even help me put together, like paprika spiced chicken with spinach salad and sweet potato fries. There are meals designed to fit every busy lifestyle, so you can choose from meals that are paleo, lean and clean, gluten-free, vegetarian. There's family options, which we love. They're all created by an award-winning chef and approved by nutritionists. So sign up for Sunbasket today and see what everyone's talking about. Just go to sunbasket.com slash sorta today to get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash sorta for $35 off. sunbasket.com slash sorta. All right, Laura. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) So here's kind of how this episode came into being. A couple of weeks ago, we had just finished recording. I think we just finished recording our books episode. 
anyway, we were on Skype. We were recording something. We finished recording and we started talking about kind of our to-do lists. And we realized like, we were just like, how are we going to do all of this? And how is this working? I think it was after my kids had just gone back to school, you were asking how, you know, what's life like now for you with kids back in school? And we just started talking about here we are, both of us are partners in our creative work. We've known each other for a very long time, for decades. And so we work really well together, but we're really trying to figure out and navigate how are we going to make this work with both of us kind of working from home, working at home on these podcasts and trying to manage that with our family life. We're obviously, we're wives, we're moms, we're trying to figure out how it's going to work. So you guys, this episode is going to be very different in that nothing's really scripted. This is going to just be a conversation about us trying to figure out what we're doing behind the scenes so that we can continue to do our work, to do it in effective ways, to do it in ways where we don't feel like we're burning out all the time, that we're really doing our best to create our best work. Well, a couple of things happened as well, I think, that is making you and I sit down and buckle down on our work. One is, I mean, a big one is that Sorta Awesome has done so well. It started as a fun little project it's growing. Its listenership is growing. We're with an ad network now. And I feel like that has made us be like, oh, like we really need to carve out time. This isn't something we can just fit into the cracks, an hour here, an hour there. Not to say that we weren't serious about making this show from the get-go. We always have put a ton of time into it, especially you, Megan, every single week. But, you know, the show has definitely moved to a different level that's making us sit up and take notice. And then a year ago, we launched a side project together, you and I, called Smartest Person in the Room. And we have big plans, and we love that show, and we've done three series in that show. But, you know, we got to this summer, and we were like, let's get real honest. It is really hard to do two shows. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's harder than I could have ever imagined, really. Right. Even with Smartest Person in the Room not being a weekly show like Sorta Awesome, you know, we're able to kind of batch work on it. But as Sorta Awesome grew, it just kept getting shoved to the back. And so then we got to August. To me, this is what happened to me, but I think really to both of us. And we were like, okay, you know, we've had two shows now for a year Mm -hmm. and we we have not, we've not managed it and our best selves. (laughs) Totally. So now it's school time. Our kids are in school. We have the day. How are we actually going to do this? And that's when we looked at each other blankly and was like, I'm actually not sure. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, I mean, I know like your kids last year was the first year, wasn't it? When both of them were in school for all day, right? No, last year, my kids start preschool at two and a half. Oh, okay. So this was the first time for me with all of my kids being in school all day. Now, I did have a brief window of time when I was pregnant with the twins, when the girls were, uh, this was long before the podcast started, the girls were in school all day, but I was, my pregnancy with the twins was difficult and I didn't feel like I was like, oh, wow, look at all this time I have. (laughs) I I spent a lot of time sick in bed. So this has been the first time. So when you asked me that back in August, like, how's it going? It was like, I don't even know what to do with my days. I feel like I wake up and then before I know it, it's bedtime and I'm looking at my to-do list like holy moses i got nothing done so we are in yeah we're in the thick of it in terms of figuring out what it looks like because even if you have kids in school all day which i have now for a few years when the day goes by quickly you can fill a day Mm, easily doing household tasks and grocery store and 
life stuff and hopefully you fit in some self-care. And I mean, you know, it's 2.30 before you know it in my house. And so, you know, trying to work and do household stuff in the school hours is almost impossible. For me, that's what I'm learning. I'm like, I cannot fit it all into those few hours. I'm going to have to shift some things around. I have to. Absolutely. Well, let's start right there. Let's talk about kind of what our personal issues are. Again, we know that you guys are listening and you are in all different stages of life. And you know what you're just saying is so true. The days fill up quickly, no matter what. I can remember when I was teaching before we had kids, man, my days would be filled start to finish with activities and stuff for work and social life. And I look at my mother-in-law, who's about to turn 70. She's a widow. Her kids are obviously long out of the home. Her schedule's busier than mine. (laughs) And so, I mean, that's just a fact of life. So, but let's talk about some of our specifics. Let's actually, because we do tend to like to bring out the positive around here on Sort of Awesome, let's talk a little bit about what do you think you're doing well right now? What are some systems maybe that you feel like, okay, at least I've made these decisions. This has helped. I know how to do this part of it. Okay. A thing that I am doing well, I wouldn't say I've conquered this by any stretch, but I'm doing so much better than I did when my kids were little and I was blogging because this is a different time of life for me. I had little children at my feet when I was blogging and I wrote almost every day. I did the promotion. I did everything myself. I never had anyone... I was never part of a team or had any help with my blog. And in some ways, I felt like I got more done in that time than I do now when they're at school and the creative medium is different. And so I was thinking about that. Why was I more productive in those terribly hard years than I am now when it should be technically easier? And I realized it's because all I did then was work Mm. and take care of my kids. Like I would have a kid on my hip. I would be blogging. I would be stirring dinner. You know, I was really consumed with having something outside of motherhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was fitting in blogging and all the things that go with blogging, social media and all the blah, blah. I was doing that in every single crack and crevice all the time. I did it at nap time. I did it after they were in bed. Like I said, I did it with them on my lap. Like I, and I chose that because I was really getting something out of my online work. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so it was sometimes very stressful, but mostly fulfilling to have both in that time. Mm -hmm. Now, when life looks different for me, my days look different, I feel like I am a lot better at compartmentalizing this is work time and this is family time. Mm, Right. I'm pretty good. And now obviously I'm able to do that because they're at school, but I'm also pretty good at when they come home, focusing on them. I've helped with my kids in the afternoon. I've always been very candid about that. And so you know, I can do whatever I need to do, be at home stuff or work stuff until like five, until our nanny leaves. And then, you know, I'm pretty good about being with my family from five until bedtime. And then I try to turn my phone into airplane mode in the evening to spend time with my husband or to get good rest or to have better mental health or to read or whatever I want to do. So I do feel like now much better than when my kids were tiny. I am better at being like, now is family time, now is work time. Now, that still leaves a lot of open questions about, like, there's only so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if we're talking about strengths first, I'm better at that right now. What about you? I really relate to a lot of what you're saying. In fact, I have really tried to be intentional that once my first round of kids coming home happens at three o'clock, that I'm really, I'm off the computer. 
I kind of keep an eye on my phone and really only respond to anything work-related if it's extremely urgent. And I have a very high standard for what urgent means in that sense. So I do feel like in terms of shutting off work time and moving into family time, I'm getting better. Another thing I'm doing better is I am understanding how my brain works a little bit better, knowing that if I do not write something down, preferably in my planner, but at least somewhere, then it's as if it didn't happen (laughs) or some, you know, like someone could tell me something or ask me to do something. And if I don't write it down, it's just, it's nowhere. It's out floating in space. In fact, like the week before last, I... We were texting, you and I were texting, and I said, did you ever hear back from so-and-so about this question? And you were like, yes, I did. And I sent you the information. I texted it to you last week. And I was like, what? Because it had happened right as I was getting ready to walk into uh, parent-teacher conferences. And so that, even though there was like a record of it in my text messages, it was if... And you had replied with thank you. Yes, I did. It wasn't like I didn't see the message. I saw it clearly and said thank you and went into mom mode. And that thing was gone. It was lost. And so now I'm really fully understanding how important it is to write things down for me, for my brain and all of the stuff I'm trying to hold in there. I got to write things down. One last thing that I feel like I'm finally doing a little bit better, and this is so hard, is delegating things. For the first big chunk of time that we were creating Sort of Awesome, I just struggled with delegating out anything. Now I'm doing that slowly, bit by bit, you know, asking for help with you know, different, just different parts of show production or hiring help for different parts of show production and realizing that when I can loosen my grip of control and let other people do what they do really well in other areas, that things get done and they get done really well. And I don't have to have that tight grip of control on it. I've had that revelation too, not of delegating so much, but in a team setting, being our sort of awesome team or my family as a team, not feeling responsible for everything all the time. Right. So I have that kind of personality. I always have, even like as a student when I was young, of like, I'll just do it myself because I'll do it right. Mm, Yes. I have that personality where in adulthood that can also translate to like, I feel responsible for everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Even if I have delegated it or even if it is not in my job description, I still feel like I need to like herd it. Like I need mm. to oversee it, even though yes. that is totally self done. Like nobody has told me that. And so right. I constantly am feeling like I need to sort of oversee what's happening with sort of awesome tasks or smartest person in the room tasks. Or even in my family, I need to like oversee that Jeff actually did X, Y, and Z. And I will say that I have let go of a lot of that and been like, that is not my responsibility. I'm not responsible for everyone doing what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. So along with being mindful of what we're doing well in this area, obviously my mind, I'm sure, Laurie, I'm sure you're the same way. My mind goes really to laser focus on all of the things I'm not doing well (laughs) or the areas where I'm really, really struggling, the things that I just cannot seem to get my act together or to even figure out what an effective system would look like. So what does some of that look like for you, the big struggles you're having? I mean, I have so many. It's hard to like narrow. I would say the two biggest ones are email and time management. Okay. Email is pretty self-explanatory. I think so many people struggle with this. I have a personal email box. I have 
online work email inbox. I have I have three email inboxes. They are full to the brim all the time. I've tried all the tips and tricks. I mean, unless somebody has a miracle system, I cannot figure out how to handle email. I've done all the things. I've read all the articles. I've unsubscribed from everything. I've used Enroll Me. I've done all the things. I cannot manage to get a hold of email and it has cost me opportunities for sure. I know I've missed things that have come through and I don't see them till weeks later. I feel like it makes me look like not a good professional or, you know, caring friend if I don't reply to things in a timely manner, which I cannot seem to manage to do. But my even bigger struggle, which sort of plays into it, honestly, they're sort of interlinked, is time management. I really struggle with how to structure the day in a way that makes all the puzzle pieces work. So I don't know if I need to dedicate like every single day from 9 to 11, I'm going to do podcast stuff. And then from 11 to 1, I'm going to do whatever. I've tried that. But I don't know. I almost can't even articulate what this problem is because it's such a struggle because I just feel like I'm still really grasping for getting the things that I need to get done and then also like getting the closet cleaned out and going to the grocery store and meal planning and, you know, volunteering at my kid's school. That's a big one. My kids have started a new school in the last year. It's a wonderful community. It's the first time since I have lived in Los Angeles that I have a community like this. And so it's important to me to want to be involved. I try to volunteer there. I'm a room parent this year. And plus my kids are little still and, and we're never going to get these years back. And so the time management of wanting to be really involved, not over-involved, but using you know the wonderful, luxurious flexibility I have by not having to go to a nine to five job, I fully recognize that that is a luxury. And so because of that, I want to be able to pour into my kids, right? And then I also want to be able to work. And then you also just have to do normal life. Right. Post office, yes. whatever stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I just, try as I might, like almost eight years into this parenting gig and 10 years into this online gig, I cannot seem to make those pieces fit. I mean, we're talking about a decade of stress. <laughs> do you think part of it is because for all intents and purposes, we office out of our homes and we're like, I don't know about you because you're just talking about how you're good at compartmentalizing. One of my biggest struggles is when I walk in from dropping off the kids, like ideally in my mind, I think I drop off the kids, I come home, I take the dog for a walk and then I think, okay, it's time to get to work. And I go in the kitchen to, you know, pour a cup of coffee and it's like, oh, the breakfast dishes are in the sink. Let me just do the dishes real fast. Oh, but I didn't get this load of laundry folded. Let me get those. And so, whereas if I was walking, going from school drop off into an office building and sitting down at a desk, at least I wouldn't have home stuff tugging at me, maybe quite as much. At least it wouldn't be in front of my face. I feel like because I walk back into my house that all of that house stuff, all the family life stuff, it's like family life agenda, even though in my mind, I think, okay, this is work time. It's so easy for me to just be like, I'll just do this one little thing during the time that I have promised to myself is work time. Yes, that is part of the problem. I didn't know how big of a problem it was until literally yesterday. I went to the library to work, like our public library close to my house. And I haven't done that in months. And I got so much more done in two hours sitting at the library than I did at home, even though I didn't think that was a problem because I have a dedicated home office, 
You know, like I have a space, I have a room of my own in which to do my work. And it is where I do manage to keep all my work in here. I don't let it fluff out all over the house. But what I didn't realize is what you're saying, like, oh, it's just be really quick to put the dishes away. It'll be really quick to answer this text. Mm-hmm. It'll be really quick to just check Instagram. My husband doesn't have to be at work at 8 a.m. So sometimes we have mornings where we end up having, where we end up like talking for 30 minutes. I wouldn't trade those times for the world. We have some of our best conversations during that time. But you know, then after that, then you have to walk the dog and whatever. I mean, you know, like before you know it, it's been an hour and a half. Yes. And you haven't yes. done what's on your list. But then Absolutely. to me, but this is the dilemma though, because as the list trump having that 30 minutes with my husband? Right. I know. I'm the same way because also my husband, his actual office is here in our home. So he's here every day unless he's meeting with clients. And so, yes, it's like, I want to be able to maximize the awesomeness of being at home, having my husband around and all of those things. But then it's like, ah, I do still have this list that I've got to get to. And I don't want to be uh, like even this morning, some time that I was going to dedicate to work, we ended up having a cup of coffee on the deck and talking through some things that are going on. And I was thinking the exact same thing that you just said, like, I don't want to give up on this. I do struggle so much. This is a big struggle for me. It was like all or nothing thinking and feeling like, okay, well, you know, now I'm 30 minutes behind schedule. So I may as well just, you know, my work time for today is shot or whatever, <laughs> even though it's only a little bit messed up. So that's a problem. But another problem too about working from home is that things happen in and around our homes that we can't always control. For example, <laughs> this episode, this very episode, we had to reschedule a couple of times because you had workers in your home that's certainly not planned. So yeah, that's a big part of for me, the struggle of being at home is that things come up, things happen. And it's like, how can I get flexible enough to adjust on the fly and still be productive? Well, it's I a constant it's analysis. And this can really like lead to decision fatigue because to me is a constant analysis of which is more important, which is more important, which is more important all the time. Whereas if you were at work all day, like you don't have a choice. <laughs> Right. Or if you're at home not trying to get something very specific done, like you don't have a choice. You're quote unquote mm -hmm. stuck at home. So right. you can't do the other thing. So like we had to reschedule this episode twice, which almost never happens. You and I are pretty good about recording when we put on our calendar that we're going to record. But our air conditioner broke. And so we had to have workers in our home on the day you and I are supposed to record. And then they didn't get finished. So they had to come back the next day. This is why I was working at the library yesterday and realizing that, oh, getting out of my house was good for my productivity in terms of I got a bunch of podcast stuff done that I'd been putting off. But it is an analysis of, because I guess I could have said to the workers, our heat wave is broken here. We're not in dire need. I could have said, no, I'm recording. You know, you can't come today. I need you mm -hmm. to come tomorrow or whatever. But then I obviously did the analysis of like, well, they're here. We need this done it's easier for me to reschedule recording this podcast. Thankfully, you were flexible enough to do so. But the constant daily analysis of, is this conversation more important than the work I need to do? Is going to the grocery store right now, running these errands right now by myself, better than trying to do them later with the kids where it will take twice the amount of time? Right. And so now that I'm like talking through it and realizing it's not just the stuff of life, it's the constant brain juggle. For me, this is for me, the brain juggle of which is more important. Okay, now 
next hour, which is more important right now, like whatever. I almost wish that I just had, you know, a set, I am only going to work, phone off, no Voxer, no social media, whatever, from this hour to this hour. Nobody can come. I can't have Mm. a conversation with Jeff. I can't Mm -hmm. schedule the air conditioner maintenance. I just can't. It is as if, as as important as a doctor's appointment or a, you know, whatever, like where you would be like, I'm sorry, I have this other thing. If I could get myself to a place of, I'm sorry, I work from this time to this time. Yes. And that's it. But I just don't know that I have the discipline to do that. (laughs) I agree. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking what I think is going to be effective for me is organizing my time into time blocks, doing that sort of time block where this block looks like this and this block looks like this. I think that that is really what it comes down to, though, is having the confidence to say no, having the conviction to say no to certain things. And then maybe there are non-negotiables. Like maybe you say no to everything except for a conversation with Jeff. Maybe you say no to everything except for whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Did you get that Elizabeth Gilbert quote I sent you? Yes, that is so good. I read this in her book, Big Magic, which I really enjoyed. I love to read those kind of inspirational books but she says elizabeth gilbert says what are you willing to give up in order to become who you really need to be that's powerful stuff it's so good it reminded me of a part of essentialism which i know you've read by greg mccowan where he's talking about trade-offs where he talks about trade-offs that has had the biggest impact on me i went back and found the actual line from the book Because he's talking about how when you're an essentialist, you understand that you cannot, there are only so many hours in the day, you only have so much energy as a human, you cannot do everything. So there's, when you choose to focus in with intention on what you want to accomplish, what you want to bring to the world, you're trading off some things. So he says, essentialists see trade-offs as an inherent part of life, not as an inherently negative part of life. Instead of asking, what do I have to give up? They ask, what do I want to go big on? I feel like he and Elizabeth Gilbert are really like on the same page. And that really landed for me. I didn't think that I had a problem with that until her quote about what are you willing to give up really struck me because I realized that I have been trying to have it all. Like I haven't been giving up much or what I have been giving up has been work, honestly. Like when I am prioritizing between family, a social life, self-care, I have been ranking those above work and really pressed I probably might still rank those above work, actually. Like, I'm really in a a really beautiful and special season of my life Mm -hmm. with my family and my friendships. And there's been some really magical things that have happened in my personal life that I'm really drinking up. And so subconsciously, what has suffered has been this creative work I want to do. And so like on a day-to-day basis, I continue to let the work be at the bottom of the list and I'm okay with it for that day and I'm okay with it for the next day. And like in the daily choice, as it gets shuffled to the bottom, I'm like, okay, no, I choose this conversation with my husband. I choose this thing with my friends today. But when I look to the bigger picture or when I get to the end of the year, there is a part of me that is sad that I didn't pursue the work that I wanna be doing in my life. And so when I realized that I've been trying to have it all and I can't. Yeah. Oh, you are speaking exactly like I'm getting a little teary eyed as you're talking because you are speaking exactly to what the struggle has been for me too. And I think part of it is having the sort of confidence or the courage to call what we're doing work. 
you know, to say to, you know, I have a family member who lives in town in Oklahoma City. She lives way on the other side of Oklahoma City from me. And she's had a hard time with understanding that she can't just be like, oh, I'm over by, I'm over in your neighborhood. Can I stop by for a cup of coffee? And for me to be like, I'm sorry, I'm working today. She's been really resistant to seeing what I do as work. And then that causes me to be like, well, wait, I mean, should I? Is that wrong for me to say I'm working if I'm, you know, doing stuff for the show or whatever? It's really hard to really be able to, and maybe it's because I don't have an office job or whatever, to say this is my work that I'm doing. And so it makes sense that I need to have this much time to go to the work that I am doing. Oh, that is really true because I believe that it is work on paper. I believe that these shows that we make are fulfilling to us and others. And, you know, I believe all of that on paper. I could write a whole essay about it. But I wonder if like deep down in my soul, I actually think this isn't a real thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Of course my family is more important or, you know, anything else that I decide in that moment. Like, oh, it's not a real thing. I don't make a living at it. Right. I mean, I don't. Personally, I don't make enough money to pay my mortgage at this stuff that I do. And so then, in some ways, we don't have this tangible thing to be like, if I don't do it, I won't make money. I won't be able to put food on the table. Because that's not our current reality. And for my online work has never been my reality. I've never made enough money to pay a mortgage on. Then it feels like not real to the outside Mm. world but also to myself. So true. I don't even know what to add to it, except that I just, I hear you and I relate to that so much. Okay, so if we have really dug in and dug up some of the things that are kind of holding us back from having an effective and fulfilling work life, as we're trying to navigate what this looks like working from home and doing this creative work, Like, where do we go from here? What do you think that we can change? What do you think you want to change? What do you feel like is realistic as we sort of move forward from here? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Still don't know. Glad we talked through it. Good talk. (laughs) Good talk. My kids went back to school on August 1st, and here we are the middle of September. So I've been experimenting with some things and just kind of trying some things out. I can say for sure that I've decided that from nine o'clock to three o'clock daily, unless there's some kind of urgent appointment that needs to happen or whatever, but I'm really treating that like this is my work day. And so I come home, I do walk the dog. I do give myself, here's what I learned. I cannot really operate in my most, in the best version of myself. If for example, the bed's not made or if there are dishes in the sink. So I've given myself, I get home a little bit after eight from drop off. I've given myself that time to not only take care of the dog and get her out and get her exercised, but to go around the house and just kind of like, not really putter. I mean, I do it with intention, but like make sure the dishes are done. Make sure coffee's made, do some things. And so that I know that like at nine o'clock, okay, now I'm on the clock and I'm going to be on the clock until three o'clock. And when I walk out the door to go pick up kids, then I'm transitioning to mom life. And having those hours, just knowing in my mind, those hours are set aside for work has really made a difference, at least in my, I don't know what to say, not necessarily like on a spiritual level, but for my satisfaction level, for at least how the hours of my day kind of get chopped up. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. 
One of the things that I love from the book, The Power of Habit, have you read that one? I have not. Power of Habit is excellent. That and Essentialism, which you already mentioned, are my two favorite sort of productivity books. Which, by the way, as we talk through this, I just feel like I should point out, I'm a productivity junkie. (laughs) Yes, you are. You've been reading these books for like as long as I've known you. I read the books, I listen to the podcasts, I link to the articles. Like, I love hearing about other people's productivity. It's like the equivalent of going into, like, the office supply store where you're like, look at all these ways we can be organized. But, like, just being in the store does not automatically make you organized. Anyway, in The Power of Habit, the thing that has stuck with me the most is he talks about habit loops and how you can tie one habit to another. So like if you always drink coffee while you read the paper and you're trying to kick your caffeine habit, then you need to create a new linking of those things. So you need to start reading the paper on your phone instead, or I don't know what, you need to change that old habit. It's not like you can just keep reading the paper and just not have your coffee. You'll end up failing. Mm, Right. So I have been taking a lot of that to heart and also sort of changing or wanting to change. My kids, this is only my kids' first week of, full week of school is right now. So I'm sort of just now tapping into this. But changing some of my habit pairings, if you will. So I have a really bad habit of sitting down and checking Facebook first. And I have to be able to like break some of my social media habits. We didn't even really Mm -hmm. get into what a waste of time social media is. I think that's as universal as the email struggle. Like it's just a rabbit hole. It's just so much easier to check Facebook for 30 minutes than it is to like do the thing (laughs) you're supposed to be doing. So much easier. Yes. One of my really good and most productive friends I've ever met in my life. She always says that, you know, if you have 17 things on your to-do list one day and only one thing on your to-do list the next day, you will get all 17 done on the one day and you will not even get the one thing done you're supposed to do on the one day. Interesting. Which is really true. Not to say that you should not have more things on your to-do list. I don't think that's a solution, but it's almost like busy people get things done because they get things done. Mm, Right. And people who don't get things done don't get things done. Right. So anyway, back to habit loops. I really think I need to do what I already said, which is set aside specific times because one thing I didn't touch on here is as much as I love Smartest Person in the Room and we have an upcoming series that's going to come out later this month that I'm super excited about. I think it is a really personally important project to me, that whole show. It's really different than Sort of Awesome. It's sort of filling both of our boats in a different way, if you will. And I love that show. But podcasting is not the opus of my life. Mm, Yeah. For you, Megan, I think that the audio medium is truly your calling. You're so good at it. Like you're natural at it. You're a community builder. I love doing both of our shows. I think they're fun and have their own level of importance. And I think I've gotten better than I was in the beginning. Like all of that. I'm going to stay podcasting because I super enjoy it. But what I have to acknowledge is that my actual, like, God-given calling is writing. Yeah, it is. And filling my time with two podcasts that are both very time-consuming is just a distraction from, like, the real meat of what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. 
Right. I hear you. I do. So one of the things that I want to carve out is to have like a word count that I meet every day. So if I can write a thousand words a day or whatever, and then I can work on podcast stuff or I can go to the grocery store or I can whatever I need to do, but I need to meet a goal or a deadline every single day. Yes. I love that. I mean, I think that's super, super attainable. I it's don't a, think that it's that's It's totally attainable. The way that yeah. I write, I could hit that goal by 9 a.m. or it might take me until noon. It just depends on how hard it is that day. But I also know, because this has happened to me in my life, that everything else that happens in my day is gravy. I feel like if I wrote that day, my purpose was fulfilled in my day. That is so amazing that you have been able to identify that because I think that that is huge for people in their search for productivity. And it's actually at the core of a lot of what Greg McCowan writes about in Essentialism is this thing of like, what do I do well? Where is my passion? And what am I bringing to the world? And once you can kind of answer those questions, then it's easy to let other things sort of fall off to the wayside. And the fact that you have been able to identify that for you and again, long before the podcast, and even really before blogging was a thing, I have known you to be in the pursuit of writing. And so, yeah, that totally makes sense. I think it's super realistic to say a word count. That's quantifiable that I can say a word count. This is what I'm going to aim for every day. And once that's done, it's almost like there's this can be a little woo-woo, but there's almost like there's a lightness to your soul. Once you've done the thing, that you know you're called to do. And that's going to be so different for every individual person. But I think that the end game is the same. I think that that sense of fulfillment is the same at the end of the day if you've spent even just a little bit of time towards what you feel like you're called to do on this planet. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to aim for, I think. And I didn't even necessarily know I was going to say that until we walked through it. So if I'm going to write more and you are going to have office hours, basically... Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Office and hours. we're in different time zones. Yes. <laughs> and we're trying to make two shows. What does this look like in a partnership? Right. Yes, this is some of what we've been trying to figure out, especially as we are bringing Smartest Person in the Room back into production is like, two shows is a lot of work. How are we going to do this? One thing that has been super helpful is for you and I to have just some very honest conversation about what our strengths are in the production realm of specifically smartest person in the room, because it's really, that one is really just kind of you and I figuring out how to take these conversations that you're having with people and bring them into the world so that people can learn from them. The whole point of smartest person in the room is to bring new learning and new discoveries to the attention of people. And so I have told you from the beginning, and one thing that we have heard over and over again since we launched smartest person in the room is that you are a fantastic brilliant interviewer you know how to draw out the most fascinating and interesting things out of people in conversation you know how to ask the right questions you're not afraid to ask questions that other people might feel a little squirmy about you just go ahead and ask it and you take what people say and you just you really are able to craft a fascinating interview that's really what you're really so great at as it turns out we discovered this just by having some really frank conversation that's really the only part of creating Smartest Person in the Room that you actually enjoy. <laughs> 
Now, there's work on the front end of that. You do all of the scheduling with people. You go set up the audio equipment. You do the prep work before you guys start your conversation, whoever you're interviewing. So there's a ton of prep work. But by the time you've done all of the prep work on the front end and had the conversation, like once you hit stop on your recording, you're done. Your energy for that particular conversation is done. It's complete. I think it's because, thank you for all those kind words, but I think that it's because we're calling it an interview because it's me and a guest on the show. But to me, it is just a conversation. This is actually just the way I talk. Like this Mm -hmm. is how I speak with people. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I do have some set questions, but I also just let it go into a conversation. But because what I already mentioned earlier is I do not think that podcasting is my personal biggest gift then I'm done with the conversation once it's over. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not great at editing or even making notes for you to edit. That is your strength because I have oftentimes, I like that show to run between 30 and 40 minutes and absolutely no longer. And I've handed you like an hour and a half of conversation and I'm like, here you go. Please cut this into something listenable. Right. But you like that. And so, you know, in that way, it's a partnership. But before we got to having that conversation between one another of me being like, I'm actually done with this show when I'm done with the conversation. And then you admitted that you actually really love taking the rough conversation and carving it down. Before we got to that part of having that conversation, we're maybe both taking on tasks that were not ours. Yes, absolutely. Because we have a deep friendship. And I think we were trying to protect each other from, you know, different aspects of the work, like And in doing so, we were just kind of muddling it like we weren't allowing the other person to do the thing that they do really well. Yes. By trying to make it easier on the other person, we were actually making the whole process grind to a halt. Basically. Yes. That's very accurate. And I think that can be true in marriage or friendship or like whatever, which sort of harkens back to what I said earlier about like, let the things go that are not your responsibility. Now, arguably in our partnership and creating that show, these things are both of our responsibilities. But being able to like say, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, or this is what I'm willing to do, even though this isn't my favorite part, you know, like kind of figuring that out has been key. That is harder. It's obviously a different dynamic on Sort of Awesome, where you are the boss completely, and there are three co-hosts that we have weekly meetings every Thursday. We sit down and have a big meeting together and we talk on Voxer all week and we give notes to one another and we brainstorm so much. We brainstorm a lot, which has been really good for me and just as a person to be in constant stimulating conversations with other smart women has been like, oh, why haven't I been working on a team all this time? I've been working by myself all this time, you know, before this podcast. So for you, you have a real clear boss hat on Sorta Awesome, and then you shift into partner hat on Smartest Person mm-hmm. in the Room. Mm-hmm. How are you going to juggle all that? It's actually ideal for me because even though I do have a boss hat for Sorta Awesome, that's hard for me. I love the collaborative part of Sorta Awesome because I feel like it doesn't all rest on my shoulders. But when a time comes for a decision to be made and it actually does rest on my shoulders, that I can do it. I don't like to do it. It's very draining for me energy-wise. When I can stay focused on, you know, this is going to be best for the community or going to be best for the show, whatever, I can do it. I can bring my energy level up to be able to make those decisions. But I love, on Smartest Person in the Room, doing the more supportive role of taking that material. I love the intellectual challenge of listening to it. I feel like 
<laughs> I feel like doing the editing work for Smartest Person in the Room puts into practice, allows me to actually do something with the fact that I love to listen to podcasts, that listening to podcasts is essentially my hobby <laughs> in life. And listening to all those podcasts allows me to think about how podcasts are produced. And the more I think about how podcasts are produced and what makes a great listenable podcast, what makes for a fantastic experience for a listener, the more I listen to other shows and think about it, the more I can actually apply what I've learned by listening to other people's work. I can apply it to smartest person in the room. And that's exhilarating for me. That's so much fun. Sort of awesome as a show doesn't really lend itself to that just because of the way the show's formatted. But when you take an hour, an hour and a half of conversation and say, just make sure that the point that comes across is this, and I can take it and work with it and do it, I really genuinely get like a high off of doing that, of being able to say, like, I got it down to 39 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> and also, you're not the boss there. Like now I'm right. thinking... It's so interesting. I've always known this. You've always been open about it, that you are not super comfortable in the boss role on Sort of Awesome, which is hilarious to me because you are such a leader. <laughs> I don't... I'm... <laughs> and like, I am very bossy. Like, I am very comfortable being the boss. I want to boss everybody. And being on a team with you and watching the way that you are the boss, you're so much more effective. <laughs> As a quiet leader, than I am being like, you do this, you need to do that. You need to, da, da, da. you know, like I am very bossy and you are not, and you are a better boss. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's interesting because as we're talking, I'm realizing truly because we're working on these two different projects and we're doing different things, it really is maybe it's rounding us out as people. And in some ways, you know, moving into a boss role on Sort of Awesome is pushing me out of my comfort zone, but I'm learning and growing in that. And being a collaborator on Sort of Awesome is maybe helping you to learn and grow in some ways. And then to flip it over to Smartest Person in the Room, where you really get to put forward what your creative vision is and what your you know, sort of messaging is with the show. And I can step in and be like, I hear what you're saying, and I can make that happen. We're just getting to exercise a lot of different muscles. How does it make you feel that on our podcast right now with thousands of listeners, I have said to you, my boss and partner, podcasting isn't really my thing. <laughs> I mean, I think that, again, if we had not even had this conversation, if, you know, if somebody had asked something really specific about that, like if, do you think, you know, each of the co-hosts are going to go on and, you know, do their own shows and, you know, do they see themselves going out and doing much more in the podcasting realm? For you, I would have not have said that because I know your heart for writing. But I'm the only co-host that has my own show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But I can definitely see how this is not the be all end all for you. And I'm totally fine with that. I don't, just because it's a thing that I am super passionate about and have really found such a home in, there's no part of me that feels like, okay, now everybody has to be, you know, 100% sold out to this. I'm so thankful for the generosity of y'all's time and spirit and energy to making Sort of Awesome what it is. So yeah. Totally. I'm just totally at peace with whatever you're able to give energy to in this pursuit. I think how lucky we are to live in a time where women 
can feel like they are able to pursue things from home, a variety of mediums, make money. And of course, I don't think women should all be at home by any, any, any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that we live in a glorious time with the internet that women or men can be at home and also have creative pursuits in a way that like actually can gain an audience, you know, like we are as close to having it all as anyone has ever been. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I feel so lucky about that. Like even with, you know, we've kind of moaned and groaned about what's hard about this trying to have it all and do both things. I do think that like, gosh, we live in a great time for that. Absolutely. I mean, that's genuinely a great perspective to come back to that not only are we in this time and space in our culture where that is a reality, but also, you know, the fact that you and I specifically have an amount of privilege in our life and possibility that we can do this. And I do think that too, like you said, that just because of like all of the information that's available to anyone around the world right now through the internet, like whatever little bit of calling you feel like is in your heart, you can kind of teach yourself how to do something. You can find a community of people who are doing that thing. I mean, we've really focused in on creative work, but there's so many possibilities for discovering what you're called to do with your life on this planet, as we're all humans on this planet together. You can discover what it is and really seek out fulfillment in that area. So just pulling back the lens a little bit is, yeah, it's a pretty amazing time to be alive. It is. And this was a different sort of show. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling really vulnerable right now, which is probably (laughs) an indication that, yeah, this is truly, you and I especially really do script out our episodes pretty well structured. This has been very different for us to just lay all our cards on the table and say, this is where we are in it. So awesomes who are listening, we would really love to hear your thoughts on this. Tell us, first of all, feel free to boss us around and tell us what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong, what we, you know, resources that we could look into or things that have worked for you, things that haven't worked for you. We would love to hear that. And we hope that in a sense, hearing us talk about these things is churning up some good stuff in your heart and in your mind about answering the calling that is on your life. So, you know, you can always find us on social media. If it's during our social media office hours. (laughs) Where we will be assuredly wasting a lot of time not working. So come find us on social media. Laura, remind us where we can find you all around the web. I'm mostly on Instagram at laura.tremaine. I am newly back on Facebook. Hmm. Yes, good. Facebook.com slash The Hollywood Housewife. But really, if you want to find me and sign up for my secret posts, which are a monthly email I send out with all kinds of recommendations and links and personal little things, you can do that by going to lauratremaine.com. Awesome. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show is also on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, 
and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.